You're listening to the audio podcast of Richard Hefner's Open Mind. For more information, visit 13.org. I'm Richard Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and this is one of a series of occasional broadcast conversations prepared in cooperation with the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation on the subject of Americans working longer and our nation perhaps doing better as a result. Joining me today in pursuing this theme of such profound personal significance to so many of us is Richard W. Johnson, Senior Fellow and Director of the Program on Retirement Policy of the prestigious Urban Institute in Washington, D.C. Now, Dr. Johnson is an expert on income and health security at older ages. Indeed, much of his research focuses on older Americans' employment and retirement decisions, so that he's written extensively about retirement preparedness, including the financial and health risks we face as we approach this crucial turning point in our lives. And I would begin by asking Dr. Johnson if we should actually accept as a first principle of our discussion today that America might well be better off if old fogies like me do retire later rather than sooner. In short, I guess I'm asking my guests to assuage my guilt for staying around so long. What is the situation? Well, it's nothing to feel guilty about at all. And in fact, uh, working longer helps workers who, who are able to work longer and it helps society overall. Um, so, so one of the things we see is that uh, people are actually working less now than they did 50 years ago. So uh, today, about um, 22% of men 65 and older are in the labor force. Back in the late, or let's say the mid-40s, it was about 47%. So there's been a real decline in, in the number of people who are working into their mid to late 60s and beyond. Would it be good social policy then to do those things that would reverse that process? Yeah, because indeed, because what it would do is it would reduce the pressure of the aging society. Um, what we see now is that uh, there, today there are about three workers for every Social Security beneficiary. In 20 years, if current trends continue, there's only going to be two. And so that means that all of the workers are going to have to either contribute more to support these additional retirees or retirees are going to have to get less. We could make that balance a little better. We could, we could reduce the stress of these additional retirees if people worked longer. That means there would be both more workers and fewer retirees. So that by working longer, um, People are going to pay more taxes. They're going to create more goods and services. The economic pie is going to grow. Um, that means that there's going to be more money uh, that's going to go into uh, the, the public sector, so, so more taxes to cover all kinds of things, including uh, retirees' benefits. So, so it really is a, is a win-win if people work longer. A win-win, but it's so difficult today to think in those terms when there's such a large group of joblessness, of jobless. That's right. So, so this story is a little hard to believe when we're in the depths right. of a recession or in its aftermath. So unemployment rate is about 9%. Uh, it's not as high for older people, but it's still pretty high, about 7% for people 65 and older, people 55 and older. Um, th that is an issue. But looking long term, 
uh, you know, eventually we're going to get out of this recession and we're really going to need older workers. Uh, over the next uh, 10 years, the number of adults 25 to 49 is going to increase only 4%, while the number of adults 50 to 74 is going to increase 20%. So there just aren't going to be enough younger workers to meet the demands of employers. We're going to need more older workers to step in to work longer um, so that the economy can continue to grow uh, and so that everyone's uh, standard of living can continue to rise. Well, what are the factors that keep people from working longer, indeed making the trend what you consider to be a rather negative one? Well, and, and I, I did say that the, the trend, people are working less now than in 1940, 1950, 1960. There has been some good news. There has been an uptick over the past 15 years. So this long-term decline has reversed. That's oh, the good see. news. But what's behind this long-term decline is, is really good, good news in, in some ways because people are dropping out of the labor force earlier or they had been dropping out earlier because they just had more money. Um, so... Uh, Incomes were higher, uh, retirement benefits were more generous. People found that they could afford to spend 20 years in retirement. Uh, now, though, as people are living longer, uh, as uh, these traditional types of pensions are fading away, other changes, but there's growing concern that people really can't spend as long uh, in retirement as they once did. And so we're seeing people be more interested in, in working longer. But there's still a lot more we can do. Uh, to encourage work at older ages. And there's still some aspects to our public policy that tends to uh, discourage work at older ages. What could we do? You say there are things we could do. Uh, let me tell you some things we have done though, that, that's positive, and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about what more could be done. Social security policy has really changed dramatically. Uh, and I don't think this gets as much attention as perhaps it should. So back in 1983, we made a bunch of changes to social security uh, because it was going bankrupt, much like today. Uh, the situation was a little more dire then than it is now, more immediate. Um, one of the things we did was uh, Congress decided that we'd slowly raise the retirement age uh, beginning in 2000. So before people who turned 62 before 2000 uh, would get their full retirement benefits beginning at age 65. Uh, today it's 66 and it's going up to 67. Now people can still collect benefits at age 62. Um, but if they collect benefits at age 62, they get more of a penalty now than they used to, and they'll get more of a penalty in the future than even than they do today. Um, so that uh, today, if you retire at age 62, you'll get 75% of your full benefits for the rest of your life. It used to be the case. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, it used to be the case you'd get 80%. You used, you used to get 80%. Today you get 75 once the full retirement age is 67, you'll only get 70%. Um, so discouraging people. That discourages people from working, uh, from retiring early. Um, an even bigger change, perhaps, is that we eliminated what's called the retirement earnings test for people who were above this full retirement age, today above 66. Um, so beginning in 2000, what, we did, what uh, Congress said was that if you continued to work after the full retirement age, which then was 65, uh, you could keep all of your Social Security benefits. Um, before that, uh, half of those uh, benefits would be taxed away. Now, you'd kind of get them back later on in life. People didn't realize that. And they just said, well, if I work and earn more than a certain amount, I'm losing a big chunk of my Social Security benefits. Why should I do that? 
Uh, and so that really discouraged people from working past the full retirement age. Now that, it, that tax, or that perceived tax, is gone. So that's good news. And then the other thing we did is that we really increased the, the benefit to working beyond age, uh, the full retirement age, beyond 66. Back in the 70s, if you did that you're, uh, and you delayed taking Social Security benefits, then your benefits would go up only 1%. Uh, so you're giving up a year of benefits, and then in the future you're going to get a little bit more, but not, not much. It, was, it wasn't enough of an increase to encourage people to delay. Today, if you delay retirement by a year, your future benefits increase 8%. So, so that's a big incentive to working past age 66, or at least to delaying retirement past six, to delaying Social Security take-up past age 66. Now, do you think that those changes led to the shift in the uh, process and to what people are doing more than the changed economic climate? Well, you know, I, I, think, I think that's part of it. I, I do think the changed economic climate had a bigger effect. I think the biggest effect, actually, was the uh, erosion of traditional defined benefit plans. You know, these are those pensions that most people would get uh, from, from large employers. So most large employers provided them, uh, though only about half of workers had them. But if you worked in a large employer in the private sector, you would, you would get them, and it would pay you uh, a fixed benefit uh, once you began retirement until you died as a function of years of service and final average pay. Uh, those plans are really disappearing. They're still very common in the public sector, and there is a lot of debate in the public sector about how expensive these are and maybe we should get rid of them. Less debate about how they affect retirement incentives, though. And I think that's very important. But as these plans uh, disappeared, and now you know, about 20% of private sector workers have them, so they're not completely gone, uh, but, but they're much less common in the private sector than they once were. Um, as they disappeared, two things happened. First, it raised some concerns about retirement security. Uh, so they've been replaced, by and large, by 401k plans. And people can accumulate a lot of money in a 401k plan, but it requires a lot from people. They have to uh, sign up for the plan in most cases, though that's starting to change a little bit because a lot of employers are starting to automatically enroll their employees. That's, that's a new and important trend. But it's fairly recent. It used to be the case that a lot of uh, workers just never bothered to sign up. Uh, then they didn't contribute the maximum amount. Um, maybe they didn't invest the, the funds wisely. Maybe they invested it too much in company stocks, and that's really risky because then if your company goes out of business, not only do you lose your job, but you lose your retirement benefits. Um, there's a lot of risks to 401k plans, um, and so that created some retirement insecurity. But another thing that this erosion in uh, the traditional defined benefit plan did was it eliminated this tremendous incentive to retire early. Because if, you're, if you have a traditional plan, once you qualify, once you reach the retirement age and you say, I'm going to work an extra year, you're giving up a year of benefits and you don't really get that money back. Now, your future benefits might increase a little bit. Um, so you're going to get, you know, when you finally do uh, retire, you're going to get a little bit extra per month. But it's not usually enough to make up for the fact that you're giving up an entire month of benefits for each month you continue on the job. Uh, in a 401k plan, uh, you're going to get that pot of money uh, no matter when you retire. You're going to get that full pot. And in fact, if you keep working, you're going to continue to contribute to that pot 
you're going to con uh, your employer is going to continue to contribute. And so, as long as you invest it wisely, that pot should be bigger when you eventually retire. That's quite a uh, so long as so long as you invest it wisely. Well, that's right. Um, and, and so that's something that we we learned in. In 2000, it's something we relearned in uh, 2008. The importance of diversifying the portfolio, uh, you know, and, and we were, I think, a lot of professionals, a lot of people who watch money management, were surprised at how much risk uh, older workers uh, were exposed to. In other words, that they weren't shifting out of these these risky kinds of stocks as they approached retirement. You know, if your if your stock takes a hit when you're in your 30s, you have 30 years to recover. But you know, if if it happens in your late 60s and all of a sudden your portfolio, your balance is a lot smaller than you expected, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can work longer, and working longer is a great way of improving your retirement security. But there's only so long you can work. What are the other factors that? Um work against uh, workers choosing to push back the retirement age and to go on working. We must be healthier now. We must be better able to work. Yeah, I mean, we, we are healthier. Um, one of the concerns is that we might not continue to be healthier. So what we've seen, uh, let's say, over the past 30 years is that the proportion of, of people in their late 50s and early 60s who report health problems, uh, report their health as being only fair or poor, which is highly correlated with retiring early. That's declined by a third. And it's declined by about a third among people 65 to 74. But all of that decline took place between the mid-80s and the late 90s. And over the past 10 years, it's really been flat. And so there's growing concern that um, with the rise of diabetes, for example, the rise of obesity, uh, that, that this improvement in health among people at midlife and older ages might stop, might actually reverse. That's one of the big uncertainties that we have going forward. Doesn't that work two ways, that if there is an increase in illness, there is an increase in the need for workers to take care of others, to retire, to leave the job market, and, and to take care of the sickly? Yeah, and th that's, that's right. And, and certainly... Uh, that creates a lot of pressures on, on families and older workers when they have uh, a spouse uh, in particular, but also perhaps an, an aging parent who needs care. Caregiving is, uh, particularly for women, is an impediment to work at older ages. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I think it's important to realize that uh, most young women have children and uh, women's employment rates have really increased uh, dramatically. The, the, the increase has really stopped, maybe starting to decline a little bit among women in their 30s with children. Um, but young working women have been able to make these child care arrangements. Um, now, it, it's perhaps a little more difficult if you have an aging parent. First, I think the culture does not quite appreciate those types of caregiving needs the same way as we do with child care. Uh, there's not the same uh, support and infrastructure in place. So while well, we're starting to get adult day, uh, daycare centers, uh, they're still not nearly as common as child care uh, ar arrangements. And so, so certainly that, that is uh, an impediment that, that some people face as they try to work longer. What are the things, the other things, that you feel that government could do to bring about this social good, this greater social good of pushing back retirement? One thing I think we could do is, is change 
Social Security some more. So I mentioned earlier about how Social Security has changed and how it's really worked to encourage uh, and incentivize work more at older ages. But there's a lot more it could do. For instance? So this 8% that I mentioned, it stops at age 70. So um, there's no incentive to delaying retirement past age 70. And as as we, so, so now, you know, or soon, when the full retirement age is 67, there's not much difference between that full retirement age at 67 and uh, when the, the bump up stops at age 70. So maybe we could increase that to 75. That, that could help. Um, certainly changing uh, the early entitlement age. Now, this is very controversial, but it's still the case that you can get benefits at age 62. And a lot of people, 40% or so, of people continue to start collecting at age 62. And when they do that... Um, they, can, they can keep working, but if they work, earn too much more, you know, they're going to lose some benefits. They're going to be taxed. Um, most people don't work, and when, by doing so, then they're getting only a, a fraction of their full Social Security benefits. Today, only 75%. In the future, only 70% of their full benefits. Um, and, and when the government says, but, but by having the 62 age, it kind of sends a signal that it's okay to retire at 62, that that's sort of an appropriate age. It's unclear that people even know sort of what is the full retirement age. Oh, I can start collecting at 62. That's kind of the Social Security age. We really have a whole string of Social Security ages. And if we had, uh, you know, maybe if we bumped up that age to 64, uh, we would encourage more people to work longer. Certainly be a lot harder to retire at 62 if you didn't get benefits. Um, that raises the question, though, what about the people who can't work? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's really an important, important question. We have disability. Um, disability is supposed to fill that gap. Does it? No. And that, that's, that's really the problem. Disability doesn't fill this gap. So only about half of people who retire at age 62 with health problems, only about half of them were receiving uh, disability before 62. Uh, you look at um, people who uh, develop disabilities in their late 50s, early 60s, they're three times as likely to become impoverished than people who don't develop disabilities. Um, it's the, the, the problem with our, our disability, our Social Security disability insurance system, uh, is, is, I think, a moral outrage. It's that there's really not attention to this. Um, there's a million people who are waiting uh, to have their benefit applications adjudicated. Uh, it, it can take a year to get benefits. Um, it, it's, it's a difficult and time-consuming process. It's expensive. You have to hire lawyers. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, part of that, I don't want to blame the Social Security system, but the people who, who work Everybody hard to do Everybody else does. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to sort through to try to, to, to figure out who's, who's needy and who isn't. Um, it's expensive. And, but, but certainly, if we increase the budget, uh, and I, I think just put more attention on this issue, um, that we maybe could uh, improve the, the financial condition of people with disabilities. I mean, it, it's, it's a problem today. Uh, right now. And, and so many people say if we raise the Social Security, let's not raise the Social Security age because it would make the problem worse. And that's true. Um, but even without that, even without raising the retirement age, I think we need to address this issue immediately. What is the attitude of employers as you can discern it? Yeah, and that's, that, that's the key because, you know, working, working longer is great. 
you know, you can raise your uh, annual retirement incomes by about 9% by working an additional year. Uh, it's maybe the, the best thing you can do to improve retirement security. It's not investing more. It's just working longer. That, that's maybe the best thing you can do. But you can't do it unless you have a job. And that's, um, that's the real conundrum. So um, what You're answering my question by saying, by giving me all the, the problems, meaning that employers are not well, looking forward to the notion of older employees. What, what the data show is that uh, employers do not, um, older workers rather, do not tend to get laid off. So they're only about a third as likely during this, this recession, one of the biggest downturns by many measures since the Great Depression. Terrible, terrible economic experience. It's still going on. But older workers are only a third as likely as uh, workers between the ages of 25 and 35 to be laid off. So they were protected. That's not to say that their unemployment rates didn't go up. It did, but, but their unemployment rates are quite a bit lower than for younger people. That's the good news. Um, but when an, an older worker is out of work, that's when the trouble begins. Employers really don't want to hire an older worker. They'll keep an older worker on, um, and they say that they appreciate uh, older workers' experience, they appreciate their uh, maturity, their reliability, their loyalty, uh, they have a lot of, of accumulated knowledge. Uh, all of those things employers value, and they're willing to pay for uh, but then when you think about bringing on some new person, you know, that new person maybe doesn't have the same kinds of connections that, that, uh, that the employer wants or, or you know, expects from their incumbent employees. So, so uh, you know, the, the loyalty may be less important because you haven't, you haven't built up that loyalty. Um, and, and then they're concerned about uh, other things like, well, this person might be set in his way. So we're taking on a new person who's sort of used to, uh, who's older and used to doing things in a certain way. Do I want to retrain that person at age 60, at age 55? Um, that, that's really the challenges that older workers face. You look at trends. Do you see any trend in that uh, area? Are employers becoming uh, more entrenched in that point of view? Less entrenched. Yeah, we, we're starting to see some change in those industries before the recession that were already starting to feel a little tightness in the labor market. Uh-huh. In other words, uh, we look at hospitals. Um, there are often nursing shortages. That seems almost endemic. It always seems to be a nursing shortage. Uh, and so before the recession, a lot of hospitals were starting to uh, go out of their way to recruit and retain older nurses. Uh, so promoting more flexible work arrangements, um, uh, working out different kinds of of, uh, work procedures so that someone who's maybe whose back isn't quite what it used to be uh, could still lift a patient. Um, Really trying to work and and retain and recruit older older nurses. Uh, we're, seeing it, we, we're seeing it a little bit in, in energy, where there's also some, some shortages of skilled workers. Um, so I, I, what I take from that is that in the future, when uh, the availability, the pool of younger workers really starts to stagnate, and we're not seeing any growth in those people, um, I think employers are going to be increasingly willing to, uh, to recruit and, and, and focus on on older workers. And you're starting to see that in, you know, things like HR Magazine, Human Resources Magazine. Human resource uh, professionals are really starting to focus on this idea of, you know, what's going to happen when all of our uh, 
uh, our, our, the, the baby boom employees start reaching retirement age? And, and what are we going to do? Uh, Dr. Johnson, are there other, in just a few minutes we have left, um, are there things that government could do to encourage employers to take this newer attitude? Um, you know, we, we still see evidence of age discrimination, and I, I think we need to uh, be vigilant about age discrimination, enforcing the rules that are on the books. Um, it, it's, it's hard to measure, but um, uh, it, it really does seem to exist. So I, I do think that is, is something that they can do. The other thing that uh, we, we can do, what the government can do, is try to lower the cost of hiring and employing older workers. And one thing we can do is, uh, under current rules, uh, if you're 65 and older and your employer offers uh, health insurance, then uh, the employer's plan would be the primary payer, not Medicare. So that means that the employer is bearing a large share of older workers' health care. If we switch that and made Medicare the primary payer, whether you worked or not, now it's the primary payer if you don't work, but if, if you have an employer-sponsored health plan, it's the secondary payer. We change that rule. That could lower costs for employers, could sort of balance the, uh, the playing field a little bit for older workers. That's likely to happen in our times? Well, Medicare is facing tremendous financial pressures. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I, on the other hand, there is a, a payoff to this, which is that if we can get people to work longer... Uh, and we cover a little bit more of their health care. They are going to be paying taxes. Uh, they're going to be contributing to economic growth. I do think it would end up paying for itself. You know, often when we look at things like the Social Security Trust Fund, the Medicare Trust Fund, uh, what is the return for, how much does the government get from working uh, when people work a little bit longer? We ignore the fact that not only are they paying these payroll taxes, but they're also paying uh, income taxes. And that can really... Uh, have a, have a big impact on the fiscal situation. Dr. Johnson, it is obviously a very complicated situation, and I'm glad you've come here today to help us start to consider what all the issues are, and I appreciate you joining me on The Open Mind. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks, too, to you in the audience. I hope you join us again next time. And meanwhile, as a old friend used to say, good night and good luck. And do visit the Open Mind website at 13.org slash openmind to reprise this program online right now or to draw upon our archive of 1,500 or so other Open Mind and related programs. That's 13.org slash openmind.